0: Recently on the Marketplace Morning Report, you heard our Democracy in the Desert series. We took you to places characterized by researchers as news deserts to see what communities stand to lose when they're without a local news ecosystem, especially during an election year. This kind of reporting takes resources. David Brancaccio went on a six-day reporting trip with two of our producers, grounding themselves in these communities and meeting locals who are trying to find solutions and fill the gaps. Every donation to Marketplace helps sustain this kind of in-depth journalism. Please give what you can today at marketplace.org slash donate. Recently on the Marketplace Morning Report, you heard our Democracy in the Desert series. We took you to places characterized by researchers as news deserts to see what communities stand to lose when they're without a local news ecosystem, especially during an election year. This kind of reporting takes resources. David Brancaccio went on a six-day reporting trip with two of our producers, grounding themselves in these communities and meeting locals who are trying to find solutions and fill the gaps. Every donation to Marketplace helps sustain this kind of in-depth journalism. Please give what you can today at marketplace.org slash donate.
1: It's still expensive to find a place to live, and inflation hasn't disappeared. But there's news many pros are betting the U.S. economy gets better and better this year. I'm David Brancaccio in New York. We lead with decidedly upbeat assessments of the U.S. economy this morning from economists who work for American businesses. The National Association for Business Economics updates its forecast every quarter, and compared to what was predicted at the end of last year, the group's new outlook calls for higher economic growth, double the job growth, and lower unemployment. Marketplace's Mitchell Hartman has that. The National Association for Business Economics upped its growth projections for this year based on the strength of consumer spending, business and residential investment, and government outlays on infrastructure. University of Arkansas economist Mervin Jebaraj, who chairs the survey panel, says use of the R word, recession,
2: is fading. Over the past quarters, the prospects for recession seem to get smaller. Prospects for soft landing larger, so now three-quarters of our panelists expect a soft landing.
0: Employment's good. Spending's good.
1: Economist Robert Frick at Navy Federal Credit Union agrees the economy's looking strong for 2024. But when he meets with frontline credit union employees who deal with cash-strapped members, he hears a different story. A lot of lower-income people are really suffering from inflation. Um, There's going to be a lot of defaults this year. Mostly, he predicts, that'll be defaults on high-interest credit cards and car loans. I'm Mitchell Hartman for Marketplace. Ahead of Super Tuesday primary voting next week, I've been working on a special report about the business models that are failing and informing people who need credible local news to make informed decisions. There are more than 200 news deserts across the country. All of our Democracy in the Desert coverage will accumulate at Marketplace.org. Our econ extra credit movie this month is called Invisible Beauty about a change agent in the fashion industry, model, entrepreneur and activist Beth Ann Hardison. We catch up with her story today in the 1980s when fashion runways turned away from a momentary embrace of diversity a decade earlier. Hardison is both the subject and with Frederick Chang, director of the film, I caught up with Hardison
2: last week. There weren't any black girls other than maybe Demon packed Cleveland once in a while, but didn't have hardly any that were really working editorially. I heard this more than once. They don't want their product to become a symbol of luxury for people of color. A man named Regis Pernes came in to start American L. That changed the game. This magazine, out of France, comes into New York. All of a sudden, by mid-80s, late-80s, you start seeing girls of color in those magazines, which we hadn't seen before.
1: You know, when you look back at the history over the decades, dealing with diversifying fashion, diversifying modeling, it's in fits and starts.
2: Yeah, because as soon as you think you can lay down, it's all right. Someone calls you and tells you, no, 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 you got to come back. <laughs> Look what's happening. You hope even now that it doesn't do the same thing. I think I actually wrote those letters in 2014. And the letters that I wrote, is just basically calling out the individual design houses that were negligent in incorporating more than one, if none, models of color on their runways for consistently season after season after season. And so those kinds of things were important to do. And since then, things have changed.
1: That season, there were two black girls in Prada. So I called up Bethan. I was like, I can't believe it. This season, there were two black girls in Prada. I'm just like, call me when there's five. Click. It was courageous. You were calling out fashion houses by name. What was the deal? They were hiring an occasional black model, that's what it had come to? They weren't hiring
2: any to be on their runways. And if they did maybe one, but it would be consistent like that. That's an imbalance that's crazy. That's just obvious. And you see that there's certain houses that are really prime, that really important, that just are just comfortable. It happens to them. You know, they follow the yellow brick road. Some designer does it. And it's a good idea at that time that other people just fall into line and follow that. And they can stay on that train way past many good stops. The most important thing was when I sent the actual letters to the individual councils of fashion, I also sent that same letter to the press. So when they got it, the press got it.
1: You know, we've been talking about really the industry side of this. What do you think on the other side here in 2024 for the market? Are you finding people who buy fashion, people who are interested in fashion, the audience for fashion publications? Are they ahead of where the industry is? Are they demanding diversity? If
2: you're a revolutionary, I don't think you really care about fashion per se. You may care about Something wrong not being right, you know, that you need to go in and speak on. But this whole thing when people say you need to boycott and all that, I always laugh at that because I'm not a boycotter. I'm going to try and switch the cards around it and make something else happen, get the other guy to see the right and the wrong that they're sitting in. Although I've watched young people, younger people actually go up against, you know, something like a Starbucks and they've really changed the game. So there goes boycotting. But fashion is such a different game. I don't know. I oftentimes wonder what they see. But right now, everyone is joyous because their representation in the game, you see the models of color, you see them consistently in advertising, in editorial, and on the runways. So there's no reason to boycott. For those who think there is, I find myself feeling very offended. (laughs) I said, after all the good work we've done.
1: Beth Ann Hardison, activist, model, and founder of the famed Beth Ann Management Agency. Our film for this month is the documentary Invisible Beauty on Hulu and rentable from other streamers. You can sign up for our free weekly newsletter at marketplace.org slash econ extra In New York, I'm David Brancaccio with our morning report.
0: From APM, American Public Media.